Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Beer and Money. I am Ryan Burkwell. And I'm Alex Collins. And on today's episode, we're going to talk about three different strategies to minimize your taxes in retirement. Yay, taxes. Before we get there, let's talk about what we're drinking today, Alex. So today, we are drinking the African Amber from Mac and Jacks. This is one of the original craft beers. It's actually the beer that got me into drinking craft beer. Um, and it was a beer that we had at my wedding. Yeah, it's a, I had never had it till I moved out here to Seattle. Um, and it, it, it was one, it was my favorite beer. Um, I've opened up my, my taste buds and my likes. And so it's still one of my, my, one of my go-tos when I'm at uh, a brewery or even a, uh, at a bar there. The, the alcohol content is at 5.8% and IBU uh, is, is sturdy, right? It's an amber. So we don't expect the IBUs to, to be too crazy. Um, overall taste. I don't know about you, Alex, when I, when I taste this, it doesn't have that classic amber taste. And what I mean by that is like, when I go to taste, when I go to drink an amber, I have a certain I have a certain ex- expectation of it. There's something in this that makes it like a little bit better than your traditional amber. It's it's an unfiltered amber, which uh, it gives it a, a little bit bigger flavor profile. Um, it's not quite as as clean um, as a right. result. The but, finish, uh, you're right. The, the, you nailed it on the head there. The finish isn't as clean as your traditional amber, which I like it dirty, I guess. <laughs> yeah it's uh this is it's just a, a it's a good beer to just be drinking on uh you know a t- any typical day so if you haven't tried it try it out mac and jacks african amber so let's let's jump into taxes here alex so you know the reason we're talking about taxes in retirement um you know in our last episode we were talking about how money in your traditional 401k gets taxed and you have a decision that you're making today every time you're putting a dollar into that that style of a bucket. And oftentimes when we're sitting down with a client, I mean, the one of the first questions we ask is, have you thought about when you pull that money out, how it's going to get taxed? Overwhelmingly, the answer, no. <laughs> the answer is no, right? And it's because it, it it's not that it's bad, right? They just haven't thought about that. It, what's being pushed out there in the media and Every article you essentially read is make sure you're putting money in your retirement plan, right? And we're not saying that's bad. We're just saying have an understanding of what it is you're doing today and long-term. Well, and what the ramifications are of that, right? I mean, it's one of those things where like more and more people are becoming a little bit more savvy and, and understanding some of the differences between traditional and Roth. However, there's still just a lack of fundamental understanding understandably so uh, around the tax code in the US. Yep. So today's episode we're going to be talking about money that's in a taxable account. So, so for those of you who have, you know, RSUs from your company or different investment accounts that's not in your traditional retirement plans, then this would be maybe a standard taxable brokerage investment type of an account that you're investing in. So, when you start to pull money from these accounts, how does that work and what are different strategies to minimize that? So the traditional 
brokerage account, Alex, we're, we're really looking at like a capital gains taxation of it. Right. And so with capital gains, there's really kind of two major uh, differences here. One is short-term capital gains and the other is long-term capital gains. Short-term is anything that's been held for 365 days or less. Um, and that is taxed as ordinary income. And there, there really is no advantage um, from a capital gains standpoint to, to short-term uh, gains. When we take a look at long-term, long-term is taxed dramatically different. Although there's some proposed changes to, to tax code, both here in Washington, um, as well as on a federal level, um, that could, could change that for some folks. Uh, here in Washington, there's a new uh, capital gains tax that's uh, um, aimed at uh, anybody who has more than $250,000 worth of capital gains in a given year. Um, and then the federal uh, cap gains proposals look like they, it's going to affect uh, folks that are making north of a million dollars, um, and it's going to dramatically affect those folks. So the, the strategy in the capital gains treatment is obviously to hold hold it for at least 365 days, right? So that you don't pay ordinary income tax rates on that money. Uh, absolutely. So that's that's the strategy one that we're talking into is making sure that we're being specific and prioritizing uh, 12 months of holding or 365 days so we can so we can maximize that or minimize our taxes overall on that account well, as we're pulling money from it. Exactly. And it's important to understand the mechanisms of some of these different vehicles. Uh, for example, if we're using um, a mutual fund or a, a professionally managed account, we may or may not have control over holding those uh, holding things for 365 days. Um, and so we may wind up with some unintended tax consequences. Uh, it's important to understand exactly how that how that uh, works and and what it looks like. Absolutely. So that that's strategy number one. Let's let's move on to strategy number two here. And I think, you know, these next two strategies, maybe one of one one of them maybe some someone's heard of, but they don't understand how it's taxed. So why don't we we start with that one? And this is what we would call annuitization of our money. Sure. Annuitization. And this is one of the biggest pet peeves I have about the industry is we use uh, the same term to mean a whole bunch of different things. And so a lot of people will be somewhat familiar with the term annuity. Um, and like annuity really means almost three or four different things, right? At its base level, an annuity is a stream of income over a period of time. In its simplest form, it's for those of you who have or maybe had pensions, right? That's really what an annuity is, right? It's a, it's a, a stream of income that you get guaranteed depending on how you structure that annuity. In this case, we're talking about an income annuity where you would give X amount of dollars to the insurance company. They in turn write you a check every year until you pass away. Or if you had a joint annuity, Right, that would be you and your spouse. For the purpose of today's conversation, we're just going to focus on one person's life. So, income for the rest of your life. Yeah, and when we annuitize an annuity, we are giving up the rights to that cash and trading it for a stream of income for the rest of your life. Now, there may be some sort of benefit at the end, like that stream of income is going to continue to uh, your beneficiary or for a set period of time or something of that nature. So it's not as though we're, we're just completely eliminating the dollars, 
But when we do annuitize, it does something different from a tax standpoint. And again, this is only for non-retirement assets. Uh, you can annuitize retirement assets, um, and that follows whatever the taxation of the underlying structure, whether it's a traditional IRA, traditional 401k, or a Roth, whatever the mechanism is from a taxation standpoint, that's what that particular um, component is going to, to follow. When, we're, when we annuitize non-tax qualified assets or just regular assets, what winds up happening is we receive a portion of our money back as a return of our money, and then a portion is considered growth. And this has to do with government tax tables, like how long you're expected to live, and therefore how much is going to be imputed income and how much of it is just a return of your own dollars. A lot of it winds up being a return of your own dollars. And so from a standpoint of taxation, you wind up receiving a lot of the dollars back income tax-free. Yeah. You, you know, you give the insurance company a million dollars, they in turn write you a check and, I, and I'm making up numbers. I don't know that this is a hundred percent accurate. I don't know if this annuity exists. So let me just be crystal clear on that. But let's just say they write you a check for $65,000 a year for the rest of your life. Well, when you give them the million dollars and they write you that, that first check for $65,000, the bulk of that's going to be tax free because it's just giving you your money back. Right. Not all of it. Some basically what they're going to do is they're going to take that million dollars, figure out what your life expectancy is, mm -hmm. divide that million dollars by your life expectancy. So, you know, let's go ahead and just assume that this, per, this mythical person, Ryan has a 20 year life expectancy. Um, I like trying to make the math easy for us. So, that would mean that $50,000 out of that $65,000 example that you gave is income tax-free. The other $15,000 is considered growth. And then at the end of that 20-year time period, you will have re received back all of your original million dollars. And then at that point, every dollar that comes out of that structure will wind up being taxable as ordinary income. So the strategy is, you know, those first 20 years much better efficiency in terms of how much money lands in your pocket versus what goes to the IRS. And obviously the, the other key piece here is, you know, income for life, right? That's a paycheck that you're used to getting every year. It, it does set, uh, give a lot of people a sense of security, a sense of maybe bottom line, like expenses taken care of, right? So that that's an aspect of annuitization that's huge are those two pieces, minimizing taxes, guaranteeing income for life. Absolutely. And that, that really leads us to the next um, and the, the third of our, our three strategies here to minimize taxation um, in non-retirement accounts. Um, and that is amortization. So intentionally spending down an asset over a period of time. Uh, typically, we would go ahead and select um, something that is close to our, our expected life expectancy, um, usually maybe plus a couple of years. Um, simply because we don't want to run out of money. Um, but the idea and, and thought process here is, okay, if you retire at 65 and we have a life expectancy of say uh, 90, then we're probably going to amortize that, that asset down over a 30 year time period, giving ourselves a five-year buffer of, well, if we live to 95, we'll still have those dollars. 
And one of the things that you and I talk about is this is great in theory. And as long as we have a plan for what happens when we run out of assets in this amortization component and a way to replace those income dollars or those cash flow dollars, then this strategy works out really well. Yeah. And, and the tax efficiency in it, just a, a quick explanation of that. You pay more taxes on the growth of your money, right? So if, if you're doing like the standard or traditional interest only type of approach, right? So say you have a million dollars, you're taking out 4%, so that's $40,000. Well, you're going to owe short-term capital gains on that $40,000, which means that 40000 just became taxable. So if you're taking out 40 grand a year with inflation that goes up, well, that's all taxable. With amortization, you're literally taking the million dollars and you're taking out, and I'm making up a number here, $58,000 a year, right? Intentionally spending that down. Now the growth of that money, if you still got that 4% growth, it's not as much, right? 4% on a million takes it up to 40,000. 4% on 900 and $42,000 is not $40,000, right? So you're going to minimize your taxes. And every year you do that, literally your tax bill is going down. Yeah, you're spending some of your principal, which was dollars that you've already paid taxes on. Uh, it's, it's similar to the annuitization concept. However, you're almost rerunning the calculation every year, depending upon what happened with growth the prior year. Whereas with annuitization, it, it once once you annuitize, the the rates are set in stone. Of okay, this is this much is a return of your own dollars. This much is growth, um, and then once you hit you know X number of years, the example that we gave was twenty. Um, once you've received your money back, then a hundred percent of it becomes taxable. With this, you're essentially pulling out the growth plus then some amount of principal every year, intentionally spending those assets down to zero over a set period of time. And so the, the principal component, which is going to grow and grow and grow and become bigger and bigger and bigger as you go on in retirement, means that you're going to get a bigger and bigger and bigger component tax-free. We went into the weeds a little bit, right? There's a lot of analytics that go into these. The, the point of bringing up these three different strategies, point one is any of this money that's in that tax-deferred traditional retirement plan, these, these tax-minimizing strategies don't work, right? It just it won't happen because you've already locked in. You're going to pay ordinary income taxes on that. Um, more importantly to today's episode, the point that we're really trying to get across here is the decisions you're making today, where you put your dollars matter, not only when you go to pull them out maybe five years from now, depending on what you're, what you're building, it also will matter when you pull it out in retirement. And you have to have, we advise you to have different buckets to pull from that allows you to have these different strategies for one and then be flexibility around controlling your tax bracket as much as you can. Yeah, the, the goal here is to end up with diversification, not only across different asset structures and asset allocations. So whether we own large, medium, or small companies, companies that are growth-oriented, value-oriented, uh, that are uh, domiciled here in the US or that are international or in emerging markets, 
but also diversify from a taxation standpoint, making sure that we have some amount of dollars that are tax deductible today, growing tax deferred, and are going to be taxable in retirement, some amount of dollars that are growing tax-free and will be tax-free in retirement, and then some that we have a lot more choice on where we don't have to wait until age 59 and a half. We don't have to, uh, we have different choices in terms of how those dollars are taxed and create as much flexibility with our planning as possible. What takes us to the question of the day, Alex? The question of the day for today is that if you were to retire today, how much of your income would be taxed? Think about that question, right? So if you were to go, if you if you could retire, like think about what you've been doing. So if you've been putting your money in, in X buckets, when you start to pull that money out, how is that money going to get taxed? And we'll add one extra kicker to that question. If you're also taking social security, how does that affect your taxes? And that's, that's a good teaser for next week is we'll be talking about the taxation of social security in retirement. So make sure to uh, check us out at beardmoney.net. There's a bunch of uh, uh, resources for you there in terms of other episodes that we've had, as well as different articles that uh, we have put out there for you all. We hope this episode was valuable for you. And as always, Mr. Collins. Cheers. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Although the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Guests, speakers, and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Avenue Securities, Guardian, or Quantified Financial Partners, and opinions stated are their own. Guardian, its subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Consult your tax, legal, or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. All investments and investment strategies contain risk and may lose value. Ryan and Alex are registered representatives and financial advisors of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, OSJ 333 North Indian Hill Boulevard, Claremont, California, 91711, telephone 909-399-1100. Securities products and advisory services offered through Park Avenue Securities member FINRA SIPC. Financial representatives of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. Park Avenue Securities is a fully owned subsidiary of Guardian. Quantified Financial Partners is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Park Avenue Securities or Guardian. Brian Burklow, Air Insurance License Number 1531912, CA Insurance License Number 0K24924. Alexander Collins, AR Insurance License Number 7264699, CA Insurance License Number 0H24806, Pinpoint Number 2021-121694, Expiration May 2023.